test. Test. Can you say testing? Test. Test. Uh oh. Judah, are you saying hi to everybody on the podcast? You say test. Test. You say test. You know, ministry is not just about microphones. It's about the one-on-one conversations, sitting at the coffee table and telling people about Jesus Christ. This is one of many things that I learned from our guest on the show today, Caleb Saucer. Having been involved in campus ministry since 2009, Caleb is a veteran campus minister with a desire to see an apostolic presence on every campus in North America. He earned his master's in Christian counseling and bachelor's in marketing, and he and his wife, Ellery, currently reside in St. Louis, Missouri, where he works at the UPCI headquarters under the Division of Publications. We talk every about everything from breakfast to podcasting to sermon preparation to CMI Awakening. You name it. We had a great conversation about it. Caleb, if you're listening, man, I love you, and I thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the show. Caleb just preached our Georgia District Teen Camp and did an incredible job. He and his wife blessed our district. We were so excited to have him here. And uh, Caleb, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for tuning in, guys. You're going to love today's episode. Let's go. Caleb, how you doing, my friend? Man, I am doing well. Man, thank you so much for doing this today. This is a real treat and and a joy to get to do this interview with you. Oh, bro, the pleasure's mine. I uh, have been looking forward to it and so excited we get to get to uh, finally make this happen. I know we tried to do it in person, um, so I'm glad we can uh, we can at least make it happen, even if our plan. Plan A didn't work out exactly right. I know, man. For for y'all listening, uh, Caleb just preached our Georgia District Teen Camp, did an incredible job, and we tried all week to make this happen, and our schedules were both so crazy. I said, you know what? There's this great invention called Skype, and we will make it happen. So I'm glad it Come worked on out, now. bro. Um, but I wanted to uh, kind of jump in on the topic of CMI uh, because... That's actually how we met a few years ago. We met through campus ministry at CMI Awakening, and what an incredible event that was and the start of an amazing friendship. I'm so glad that we connected with you guys, and uh, I'm so proud of what God is doing through you and Ellery's lives, and for everybody listening, Caleb is the national CMI director for the UPCI, and so uh, Caleb, just tell me a little bit about how this journey started for you, and how did you get involved in campus ministry? Sure, sure, absolutely. Well, when I was 17, I graduated high school and was making the transition to college. And uh, I tell the story, I can vividly remember sitting actually at a North American Youth Congress in Columbus, Ohio, 
between two girls who were getting ready to graduate from the college I was getting ready to start. And, uh, and you know what that's like whenever you've graduated high school and you're going into college, there's this nervous energy where you're super excited. And uh, on the other hand, you're a little bit nervous because it's a new adventure, new world. You had high school figured out and now right. you're jumping into something brand new. So I was trying to get any leg up I could um, just by asking them every question I could think of. I, I vividly remember asking them about what professors I should take, asking them what the coldest water fountains were on campus, where I should park. It didn't matter. Anything that I could get uh, just to get a leg up whenever I went to college, I, I was trying to, to do it. Then out of nowhere, towards the end of this conversation, I asked them the question, said, does Southeastern Louisiana University have a campus ministry? Oh, and I can remember those two girls just kind of looking at each other, kind of shrugged their shoulders, and they said, no, I don't think so. And in my naive little 17-year-old way, I just said, well, let's just start one. Like it was magically going to fall out of the sky and, and we were going to have a campus ministry. But that was that was where it started. It started at North American Youth Congress. And then if you fast forward a couple months, we launched with a small Bible study uh, on our campus in a little conference room at the top of our rec center. The first night, we had six people. Uh, five of them were apostolic friends of mine. And we had one visitor who showed up. And when I tell you we got so excited about that one visitor we're high-fiving each other we're changing the world one at a time right and uh she never came back we never (laughs) saw that girl again but that was that was how it started and uh if you welcome to campus ministry yeah welcome to campus ministry never saw her again but who who knows what seed you can plant in uh in any given meeting but by the end of it three and a half years later we had a, a thriving campus ministry that averaged probably 60 to 70 students on a uh, weekly basis, the majority of those being from our campus. We saw God do such incredible things, uh, not within the four walls of the church, but right in the middle of our campus, people getting the Holy Ghost in our student union, baptizing them in the pool, saw one individual healed of a degenerative hip disease right in the middle of the student union. And uh, and so it was, was this neat revelation that the Book of Acts kind of stuff wasn't limited to the book of Acts, number one, but it wasn't limited to even what happened within the four walls of our church. And uh, so for me, campus ministry was very personal. It was a, it was a calling uh, that I can remember in 2010 when God called me to campus ministry. So from there, God opened up this door to serve at a uh, organizational level. And we've been doing that for about six years now. And to see the growth and the increase that that uh, God has been so kind to give is just really, really neat. It's neat to get a bird's eye view of everything that's happening across North America uh, as it relates to campus ministry. So a lot more I could share, but for the sake of time, I'll, I'll leave the, uh, the specifics for another time. That's amazing, bro. That's a lot of people. You said 60 to 70 people. Yeah, 60, 60 to 70. When we started, it was so heavy on the apostolic students where remember the first semester we got up to the point we were running about 21. Uh, I think our largest since was 21, but 18 of those were apostolic students that either attended the college or from one of the local churches. And, uh, and so we just, we consistently prayed and said, God, look, we're not here to be a Pentecostal hangout club. We, uh, we want to see you do a supernatural work on this campus. And uh, that only happens if we've got unchurched people that are attending attending these meetings. And so sometime within that year mark or a year from that mark, there was a shift that happened where we started averaging just more non-Pentecostal students, apostolic students. Uh, and at that point in time, things really kicked it over drive. And so it was just, it was neat to see 
um, had an incredible team that, that really made some special things happen. That is amazing, man. Um, how did you get involved on a national level um, with campus ministry? When did that take place in your life? Sure. I was 20 years old, 21 years old, about to graduate. And uh, I had been the district coordinator for Louisiana. And the previous national director, he uh, had served in that role for over 20 years. His name was David Catinia. And from like 1990 until 2012, 2013, he was the national CMI director. Where it started is actually Brother Enzi called me one day and, uh, and they were wanting to have a CMI event at Youth Congress. This is before they had asked me to, to take the position. They were looking for somebody to organize a CMI event at Youth Congress. And so we did this whole CMI rush event that was absolute madness. It was so much fun. Um, but that was where it started. Then the next year, they called and said, hey, Brother Coutinho is transitioning. Uh, would you be interested in, in taking this role? So at 21, that, uh, that door opened up, which was very overwhelming to, to say the least. I'm and sure. Yeah. Wow. Still, still today I walk into some of these meetings with different individuals and, and I just ask myself, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to be here. This isn't, this isn't right, but it's uh it's definitely been a fun, fun adventure over the last six, seven years. Bro, isn't it crazy when God starts expanding your ministry, that feeling of like, what? why am I even here right now? <laughs> There's no doubt. I, I don't know if that ever is going to go away, though, for, for me. Yeah, I yeah. A, I don't see an end date on that one, so I, I, I'm just grateful. I, I feel you, man. I've, I've walked into some rooms and been like, what am I doing here, Lord? What are you doing right now? But you Absolutely. Know, I'm very thankful for that. Absolutely. Um, but so uh, we got connected through... CMI Awakening. I know I kind of brushed on that for just a second, but um, man, that was an incredible event here in Georgia. And sure. I know Rachel was the CMI director for the state of Georgia for a long time. And um, the listeners kind of know the story of how Rachel and I got connected through campus ministry and, and God used that to help our paths cross. And so I thank God for that. But um, Awakening has grown tremendously. I, I remember when it was here in Georgia, it was just an incredible event. I To this day, uh, when people ask me, what was the greatest worship experience you've ever led worship at? To this day, I still say CMI Awakening. I mean, I it was, love it. It was just such an incredible atmosphere of God, and and the crazy thing was is that it wasn't even when we were in the big sure. uh, conference center. It was on the Saturday morning when it was just acoustic guitar and vocals, and I I consider that to be maybe the strongest presence of God I've ever felt when leading worship. I love it. Um, what do you think is in the works for next year? I know this is a growing event. Tell us a little bit about CMI Awakening. Sure. Well, this is, I'm biased, obviously, but I i really do believe it is one of the greatest events that the, the apostolic movement has going on right now. Wow. You can go to many different conferences where they're just going to throw a wide net on different things. And I thank God for all the conferences and, and special events that happen throughout the year. But Awakening is unique in the fact that it is such a niche demographic that we are targeting in that every student who is at Awakening is there because they have a burden for reaching lost souls on their college campus. And so 
I, I kind of use the analogy, you, sometimes in worship settings, you have to prime the pump. And, and you, of course, know what it's like to feel like the cheerleader <laughs> up there trying to just yeah. do the best you can to get people into a mindset of worship. Awakening, right. these students just come ready yeah. and hungry. And, and so it's been so neat to see when we started, we, we take it to a different college campus every year. And so the first one that we took to a college campus was six or seven years ago. We went to Ohio State and we had 60 people there from I don't remember how many districts, but it's kind of our core campus ministers that knew each other. Rachel, I believe, was was there. That was how we connected was through some of these meetings. And uh, and so just that core group, well, this past year, we held it at the University of Maryland, and there were nearly 500 campus ministers from 29 different districts and uh, representing over 120 different campuses that were there. It was spectacular. It is such deep worship, but then mixed with with the impartation and practical knowledge that comes from the Word of God. Uh, it is just a special event. And so this year, we're excited to, and, and praying to see it continue to grow. We're going to be going to the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign, and, uh, and this will happen January 2nd through the 4th of 2020. We're stoked to have Brother Cornwell, who I just kind of champion as one of the greatest Bible study teachers that has ever walked the face of the planet. He is going to be one of our main speakers, as well as Victor Jackson, uh, who is one through campus ministry. Most know that story. Um, So both of them are going to be speaking, as well as many other experienced campus ministers. But it is two and a half days of practical, just information, but mixed with the spiritual impartation that, uh, that if you have any desire, whether you're in high school or you're in college, to be involved in the evangelistic efforts of reaching these campuses in the name of Jesus Christ, I encourage you to get there. Because not only will you be inspired by the worship, by the preaching, by the teaching, but just the interaction with other young adults who share the same burden, same passion as you do, that you'll make lifelong friends. You're absolutely right. I can think back to Georgia, that uh, man grew it was the first time I heard great and mighty and I, you know this, but your listeners need to know that since that time it has gone down as one of my favorite songs ever. And I love, be honest with you. I love the recorded version, but there still is nothing like you in that acoustic guitar (laughs) in that room there at the university of Georgia singing it for the first time as you're teaching it to that, that crowd. It was so special. Uh, And goes down as one one of my favorite. Awakening. That, that's so kind of um, any you, awakening that's happened so far. <laughs> that was an amazing experience, and I don't, I don't think I've ever seen it anywhere where it it, it went better than that. <laughs> it, was just, <laughs> it was just such an amazing experience to see everybody singing it, and uh, it it had not been recorded yet. It wasn't even in the works to be recorded yet, but thankfully God worked all that out. Absolutely, man. What was so funny, and I think you know this. But we had multiple people who reached out afterwards asking for the lead sheets for oh, that song. Wow. And, wow. of course, we couldn't find them. I think you may have thrown something together at one point. But there was no recording. There was no way for people to download it. But it was such a hit. People <laughs> were, were quickly wondering how they were going to be able to get their hands on that song. So, Oh, man, I, I thank God for that. I'm honored. I was humbled by the people that reached out to me. And I hadn't even written a chord chart for it. It was just in my head. And so that was the first time I had ever written out a chord chart for that song. And so uh, thank you, Awakening. For, there for we that. go. Um, will there be a big CMI presence at NAYC this year? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're 
we're working hard right now, um, not only on our booth, the booth is, is typical, but we're working hard right now on some special things that will not only bring our campus ministers together while they're there, but then for interested parties that may not be involved with CMI yet, ways to connect with them. Uh, we'll have a special presentation during the hyphen session and, uh, and be giving away some free stuff. So look for CMI whenever you're at NAYC. And, uh, and to those who are listening, if you have any desire to be involved and maybe don't know where to start, make sure you stop by the booth and and uh, chat with, with one of the individuals who are there. It's staffed completely by campus ministers throughout the entire week. It will be different districts, different campus ministers from different districts that are staffing that, uh, that booth. So it's always a fun, fun time uh, to kind of connect with the campus ministers that are around the, around the continent. Right. Shout out to Zach Davey. Love you, Absolutely, man. Absolutely, <laughs> man. I'm sure he'll be working it. Man, he's, al- he's always involved. Dude, uh, he does every anything that needs to be done. Zach Davey is there to do it. So. Oh, I love that guy. I love you, man. And he's a faithful listener. So I love you, Zach. Love it. <laughs> so I want to I want to shift here and talk about about you and Ellery for, for a little bit. Now, you and your wife Ellery are such a power couple, and. Um, having you guys here in Georgia, man, I, it was just a delight. I truly mean that, having you guys here. Um, but tell us a little bit about how you guys met, because I've never heard that story. Okay, okay. It was actually, we, we could be the poster children for UPCI Youth Ministries, <laughs> simply because we met through Bible quizzing. We ended up on two AYC trips together. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, and then, of course, CMI hyphen P7. We just, we thank God for UPCI Youth Ministries, or my life would look a whole lot different than what it looks like today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, but that was it. We met through through Bible quizzing. Her first year of quizzing was actually my last year of quizzing, not because I robbed the cradle and married somebody forever younger than me, but just by nature of her <laughs> right, right. starting starting in quizzing. Um, it was weird how that fell, but she quizzed for another two years after that. And uh, our first date actually happened at a North American Youth Congress on a Friday night. I was a youth pastor in Baton Rouge, and I got permission from the assistant pastor. He said, look, I'll take the kids. You go have fun. And so we double dated with, uh, with some cousins of mine. And, uh, and then two weeks later, she flew to Baton Rouge. And as she tells the story, she, uh, she only came because I have a sister named Chloe. And she knew that if things went south with me, then at least she had a backup plan that she could just be there and spend time with Chloe anyway. Right, so right. it um it's it really is a good story and uh, and Ellery's the one you should be interviewing because she's the she's really the the well, best part of our relationship. But oh, man, well we need to make that man. happen. Hey, I'm sure we could. Yeah, I'm sure we could. Yeah, but the rest is rest is history for us. Life life has been interesting. We've been married about four years now. And I uh, started off in Baton Rouge for three months, and then God moved us to Center, Texas, um, which is, if you're looking for it, it's the center of East Texas. Um, but it was a complete culture change for us, completely different. Ellery was from Dallas. I was from Baton Rouge. Center is a town that on the sign when you drive in says population 5,000 people. Uh, we had goats in our backyard for the very first time, and it was a it was an interesting interesting year and a half of our lives where God taught us a lot there. We loved the church, loved the young people. Uh, we evangelized for a year after that, and then a year after that, God brought us to St. Louis where we are today. Man, you guys are doing awesome things for God, and I thank God for it. Um, now, if I remember correctly, when when I met you at CMI Awakening in Georgia, I believe you were engaged, but you weren't married yet. 
Probably so. And I remember just feeling like, you know, Rachel and I had just been married. You know, we'll celebrate five years in August. So I guess we've just been married just a very short time. Sure. uh, Longer than y'all. And I remember uh, Rachel saying something like, oh, Poor Caleb looks so sad. He wishes his fiance was here or something like that. Uh, but but that's amazing, man. Uh, what's it like living in in St. Louis and working at at headquarters? What's your day to day look like under the division of publications? Sure, it's it's neat. I am loving what I'm getting to do right now. I uh, I never thought I'd end up in St. Louis, so this was this was new especially end up in St. Louis to work at at headquarters. Headquarters is a unique place to work um, because while it is, it's a job, absolutely, you know that everything that you're doing is tying back into ministry. So it's, it's neat to have that, that vision of why you're working every single day. But uh, I'm here doing something that's, that's very unique. We're launching a brand new uh, platform at Youth Congress called Discipleship Central that will be both a web app and a mobile app. And, uh, and it's basically operating under this idea that discipleship is more than a six to 12 week class that we take new converts through, but that no matter who you are, how long you've been in church, we are all still in the disciple discipleship process that we don't graduate from being a disciple or becoming a better disciple. But Paul made the statement, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, it was this idea that I never stopped being a follower, a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. I do hope that I can look behind me and that there's some people behind me that I am making disciples of. Um, But with this idea in mind, it's basically going to be this platform that offers unlimited access to apostolic media 24-7, subscription-based deal. But uh, with a subscription, you'll get unlimited access to these Discipleship Central originals that are just this unique blend of creative videography with biblical teaching, these short series. There's also other teaching series, uh, archive of past UPCI conferences, an archive. One thing I'm so excited about, a library of, of hundreds of these classic sermons from like the 1950s until present day wow. uh, from these preachers that are just legacy preachers in the apostolic movement that uh, we have access to. And then also we're providing, although you can absolutely access all these podcasts uh, in other ways, we're pulling all the apostolic podcasts that we can into this platform to make it just this hub for apostolic content that people can engage with. And, uh, and the hope is that as they engage with this content, it's not really for entertainment per se, but it's for spiritual formation, spiritual growth, and, uh, and providing a pathway to become better disciples uh, of Jesus Christ. So it's a neat project. It's, it's something that hasn't been done before. And so I absolutely love what I get to do on a, on a daily basis. It's definitely, it's been fun. That's incredible, man. I mean, and I love what you're doing with Apostolic Podcast. Um, and I know we're on a podcast right now, sure. so so obviously I'm biased. But I, I, you know, there's so many people that ask me, uh, are there other Apostolic Podcasts? And they genuinely just don't know. They they have they they aren't able to find them. And so, what an sure. awesome resource for people to have this hub where they can go and and find apostolic podcasts. There's a lot of good apostolic podcasts out there. Yeah, no doubt. And man, I'd say just I love what you're doing with this podcast and and the other apostolic podcasters as well. Just because this is a it's an untapped medium that that now we're finally tapping into. But right. so much of discipleship happens in these day-to-day conversations. I, I'm convinced that while discipleship does happen over a pulpit, there are, are nuggets that are dropped. 
it's in these real conversations, these daily just relationship forming, relationship building conversations. That's where true discipleship happens. And so, so much can be accomplished through the efforts of individuals like yourself who are, are producing these apostolic podcasts, these positive conversations that are, are driving towards a obviously an a intended destination of spiritual formation in some way, shape, or form. So I commend you. I commend all of them that are all the others who are engaging in this. And I would challenge, if you're listening, I, uh, I'm learning it's not super hard to start a podcast. Right. And, uh, and so for me, the challenge I've got to overcome, if I were ever going to do is I just don't think people want to hear me that much. So you've <laughs> got this feeling, soothing bro. voice, man, and, and me, I just I can't stand to listen to myself. No. So I, um, but if you're listening and have ever thought about starting a podcast, do it and then reach out to me. And let me know, and and we'd love to potentially feature your podcast on Discipleship Central as well. You know, the only uh, the only negative feedback I've I've got on the podcast was that I laugh too much. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I guess I'm just Dude, a happy person. <laughs> that sounds like Scrooge. Who who is going to tell you that you laugh too the, much? They'll have podcast. to be unnamed at this moment. But literally, they're like, you know, you Goodness. laugh a lot. I was like, well, if if that's my biggest problem, I I can handle that. <laughs> Yeah, bro, you got you got that radio voice, dude. So I appreciate. I, I've it. got that radio face. You've got that radio voice. Hey, if you, if <laughs> if you start a podcast, bro, I am the first. I am the first to listen. You could call it tea and saucers or something like that. Oh, bro. there we go. It'd there be we go. Cup, cup and saucer, flying oh, saucer. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Now we have a lot of people that that listen to this podcast that are aspiring ministers, and so. Any time that I get to interview somebody, and I, I, it's one of the things I love the most about getting to do this show is connecting with men of God that can help others, and and they can listen to your story. And uh, when did you start to feel the call of God on your life? Because I I know that this is a big question that I get as a youth pastor. Uh, and as a sectional director, just serving in youth ministry, that's one of the sure. biggest questions that I get is, when? how did you know that God called you to ministry? What was that experience like for you? See, that's a funny question for me, because I... I've been around these other preachers that they, they're like, man, I was in the backyard praying one day and uh, right. this plane came out of the sky and it drew <laughs> the letters, you are called right in the sky. Right. And that was when I knew, well, see, for me, I never had that experience, but I, I can remember early in my teen years, 12, 13 years old, it seemed like every service I went to, every camp I went to, I could feel this, almost this tug. And, and when I talk to young people, the best way I can describe it and it sounds cheesy. It was almost like God had reached in and had gotten a hold of just everything inside of me and was just tugging, tugging, tugging. Wow. And uh, and so I, at an early age, I began to pray, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. And uh, and I'd pray that often, just, Lord, I'm, I'm submitted. Whatever you ask me to do, I'll, I'll do. Um, but to this day, the, the truth is I have never had this moment in an altar where God called me to preach. And, uh, and that may sound funny because absolutely, I did just preach Georgia Teen Camp. That was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and, or I absolutely enjoyed that experience. That Those are doors that I never thought would be, be opened in my life. But I've never had this moment where God said, you were called to preach. 
I have over and over felt the confirmation of ministry. The only thing I, I referenced earlier, that there was a time where I vividly remember God calling me to campus ministry. I did have an experience at Louisiana, the Louisiana campgrounds. It was Tuesday night of camp meeting in 2010, but the Graham had just preached. And, uh, and I got over in the corner. I had been wrestling with ministry because all these traditional avenues of ministry I'd been looking at, being a preacher, a teacher, Sunday school teacher, a youth pastor, whatever it was, none of those doors seemed to be open for me. And, uh, and so I'm praying, I'm saying, God, you called me, but you're not, you're not making the path plain. You're not giving me any opportunity or open doors. What's going on here? And uh, as vividly or as vivid as I can remember and as clear as I've ever heard God speak to me, he said, Caleb, if it's not you within your local church right now, there will be somebody else. But on your college campus, there is nobody else. That's where I've called you to go. That's wow. what I've called you to do. And, uh, and so I locked that away. And it's been interesting to see how that calling has unfolded over the last few years. Um, but still to this day, I couldn't say that outside of that moment where God called me to campus ministry, I had some supernatural experience of just this magnificent call that God, God gave me. I've kind of been committed that whatever form ministry takes, I'm, I'm willing to serve. Um, I think so often we box it in that if we don't have a microphone in our hands, then we're really not engaged in ministry. And, uh, and while I think that public ministry or pulpit ministry is so important, or being on the platform as a worship leader or whatever that, that looks like is so important, I don't think that that's the only avenues of ministry that we have right now. For me, ministry started at 15 years old. I went to my youth pastor, and uh, we didn't have a, a youth prayer, and I asked him, would you mind if I got a key to the church, and we started a youth prayer on Monday nights. And, uh, and so every Monday night, we'd, we'd come. At one point in time, we had 40 young people coming on a Monday night, and I would do a five-minute devotion before, before each of those prayer meetings. That was my introduction to, to ministry. Uh, the second avenue then was campus ministry. I Preaching for me— <laughs> Man, I was talking to somebody the other day. This this whole idea of preaching has been such a struggle for me because I look at other guys my age and I, I see the way that, that God uses them and I'm so grateful for it. But but for me, ministry was campus ministry. It was teaching Bible studies. It was talking to people like I'm talking to you. And so the idea of standing in a pulpit and quote unquote throwing down preaching yeah. terrified me. And it it wasn't comfortable for me. It wasn't me. And, uh, and one of the biggest lessons that I learned was just to run in my lane. And, uh, and my pastor, he said, man, Saul's armor didn't work for David. You're not called to be that guy. You're called to, to own your lane and to be what God has called you to be. And that whole idea of comparison, I, I say often comparison leads us to one of two outcomes. Either we're going to get prideful or we're going to feel insecure and neither one are the will of God. Uh, the most dangerous thing I think for young ministers is looking around and comparing yourself to the season a lot of times we compare our season to other other people's seasons uh, or our ministry to their ministry. And uh, many times we're trying to compare apples and oranges. So looking right. around and not comparing ourselves to what they're doing or, or how they're doing it. But am I fulfilling the purpose that God has for me in this season of my life? Um, so for me, that's kind of maybe a little picture into the last few years of my life is, is finding Finding my own and and being comfortable that if if my ministry doesn't look exactly like the next guy's, then that's okay, um, as long as I am doing what I feel like God has called me to do in this season of our of our life. Man, thank you for sharing that with us because I've just I've discovered you know the longer that that the podcast goes and you you start to learn what resonates with people and what ministers to people is just the everyday 
stories like that of how, how did it happen for you? Because it, it happens for you different than it happens for me and, and the people sure. listening. And God has a specific route and path for each person. And bro, I, I had to learn many years ago, I just can't compare myself to anybody else because that would be a miserable life to live. <laughs> I just can't. Absolutely. I, I can't do that in ministry. And so, uh, you know, I, I thank God for people that are different than me so that God can use us all in different ways. Um, God. What uh, does your preparation process look like when you prepare to to preach a camp or a youth service or whatever event that you're at? What does your preparation process look like? <laughs> I would say I am the wrong guy to ask about preparing to preach a camp because <laughs> Georgia was the second one. The first one happened the week before. Wow, and, uh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, man, this 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 was new for me. And uh, and somebody asked me the other day, how far in advance do, do you know about these these things. Well, it was about a year, almost a year and a half um, yeah. before those two weeks that that people had called. And, and so we had it on the calendar. Really what that meant is I had a good year to year and a half to stress about <laughs> those two weeks of my life. <laughs> I, I was in that and, meeting, bro. I was like, we need to call Caleb Saucer because he's going to rock it. Y'all are too kind. I was, I was not expecting, uh, not expecting that at all, but had such a blast. But for me, I, uh, I always view preparation, it's like a puzzle. And uh, any time that I'm, I'm preparing to preach or preparing to teach, I, I, I've told Ellery, there's been a couple times where I've preached a message and I've gone home and I'm like, you know, there's a good message in there somewhere. I just didn't get there. And uh, <laughs> it's like I didn't put right. enough time in to really dig out what could have been a great, a great thought. And, uh, and so for me, it's always like this, this idea of a puzzle where I will go in and I will throw Anything that I'm thinking, any any illustrations that I found, any stories, any scriptures I can find, I throw it all into one place. And then the the next phase is this phase of okay, putting it together. Uh, because I I think a lot of times we think a lot about the introduction and a lot about the conclusion, but we've got to be be intentional about how we get from point A to the end. And, uh, and so making sure that we're following some kind of train of thought that leads people on a journey from point A to point B. And, uh, and so I put the pieces together trying to figure out, like, man, I know there's a good picture in here somewhere. Right. And, uh, and it takes a lot of just looking at it, a lot of praying over it. And when that falls into place, then the last thing is I go back and I, I edit. And, and especially preparing for camps, what was unique is, is the week before Georgia, it was a senior camp. And so my style, my preparation, the length of time that I preached was completely different than what I was shooting for at teen camp. Whenever you've got 12 year olds to 15 year olds, sure. uh, my goal was, man, 20 to 25 minutes, be a little more conversational, less just, just preachy. Uh, and so I went through and cut and cut and cut and cut. And, uh, and it's somewhat painful because you, you would know this whenever you prepare something, it becomes a part of you. And you feel like, okay, which which arm of my baby yeah, is absolutely. more important? Yeah. Do I want it to be left-handed or right-handed? Yeah. And uh, and so when you're taking a knife and you're just you're you're cutting and cutting, but for the purpose of making sure that I'm I'm saying what I need to say. If it doesn't tie back into the overall, it might be good, but it, that doesn't mean that it needs to 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 make the cut, the ultimate cut. Um, and so that's kind of my process. It's it's a puzzle, put the pieces together, and then edit and cut. And, uh, and obviously, from beginning to end, it is prayer, it is fasting, it is doing the spiritual side, 
uh, I'm speaking more to the practical kind of, kind of just whenever I sit down to study what, what that looks like for me. But um, you definitely can't negate the, the spiritual preparation as well. Absolutely. You know, I, I love asking that question to people. I, I was talking to LJ Harry. I interviewed him on the podcast, and he told me that he uses a preaching format called Hook, Book, Took, Look. And so okay. now every time I hear him preach, I hear it. And it's just, it's fascinating to me to see how different preachers uh, do things and convey things in different ways. But man, I, I want to be mindful of your time. And so I'm going to, I'm going to end with this question. I just, I, I have so many questions for you today because I'm just so blessed and impressed by you and Ellery. But I'm going to wrap up with, with this question. What, what advice would you like to leave this generation of apostolic young people? How would you like to challenge us to grow in this generation as leaders and world changers? Sure. I, I think something that's been real personal for me lately in thinking about the call of God, the purpose of God, is that this whole whole idea of living for God, of serving the kingdom— and, and fulfilling the call of God in our life. It is not a destination, but it is a journey. And sometimes as young people, we think, okay, I, I know that I'm called, but it's not going to be until I'm 20 or 30 or 40 where I actually start walking in that calling. And while it may be true that we, we won't see the overall fulfillment of God's intended purpose in our life until later on, I am a firm believer that no matter where we are right now, we can be doing something that's making an impact for the kingdom of God. I'm also a firm believer that what we're doing right now prepares us for what is to come. Um, something just recently I've, I've kind of been thinking over, just studying in my own life, is this idea of giftings, the idea of, of the call of God. I believe that the call of God prepares the way. Your giftings, Proverbs tells us, one translation, whenever it it quotes this verse. It says, your gifts, the KJV says, make room for you. Another translation says, your gifts open the door. Mm. And so the call of God prepares the way, the gifts open the door. But ultimately, it's going to be your character that either sustains or destroys the call of God in your life. And uh, and we, we all know, we've seen too many people that the call on their life was big, the anointing that God had placed on their life was big, but their character was not strong enough to sustain wow. that call and that anointing. Yeah. And, uh, and so... Right now, where you are, what you're doing today to work on your character, what you're doing today to hone your giftings and your skills will either prepare you or they will set you up for failure whenever the doors do open for that fulfillment, overall fulfillment of what God has called you to do. Um, But I just believe in this generation with everything that's in me. I believe this generation is going to change the world. I believe that we have more tools and resources than we've ever had before. And, uh, And this generation of young people through the help of the Holy Ghost, are going to do things that we have never, ever seen before. It is so exciting to see what God is doing through P7, through campus ministry. I believe those two ministries are just training ground for church planning. Our best candidates to be church planners are these students who are getting some experience in P7 and then through campus ministry that they are the best candidates that whenever they graduate to join a launch team or to plant a church on their own or to be a missionary because we're, we're starting that at an early age. And, uh, and so I, I, I believe in this generation, I'm behind this generation, and uh, so the best advice I could say is understand that you have something to do, yes, in the future, but you've got something to do right now. Run in your lane, don't get sidetracked looking to the right or the left, see what other people are doing, comparing yourself to them, uh, but own where God has planted you, the season that God has planted you in, and, uh, and never underestimate the, the power of one apostolic student 
to absolutely change change their world. So, Amen. I believe that, bro, and I believe that you believe that with all of your heart, and you live it every day. And I thank God for what you and Ellery are doing for the kingdom of God. I thank you for the difference that you're making on the UPCI Youth Ministries team, and I, I thank God that you guys are heading up campus ministry and working at headquarters and it's people like you that inspire people like Rachel and myself and we are honored to call you friend we're excited about seeing you guys at NAYC absolutely and we'll have to grab uh, breakfast at first watch we're, we're gonna make it happen and I am excited because the playlist has been launched now so I'm excited to see Great and Mighty go from that little room at Awakening <laughs> to being at the NAYC wow. uh, be used on NAYC. That's going to be just a special moment man. for sure. But hey, man, thank you so much for the awesome opportunity to be a part of uh, Noteworthy, this great podcast and all that you're doing. Uh, we appreciate you and Rachel. It was so good to hang out with you a couple weeks ago. And we definitely look forward to future times of connecting with you guys and in uh, that breakfast at First Watch here in just a couple weeks. It's going to be great, man. I appreciate you so much. Thanks for being on the podcast, and we'll touch base on that breakfast. We'll make it happen. I love you guys dearly. Thank you, bro. Hey, same to you, man. Have a good one. You too. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the episode today. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Caleb Saucer. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and give it a, a rating. Um, it helps us podcasters get the word out there about the episode. The show is growing because of wonderful listeners like yourself. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Noteworthy Podcast. God bless.